0: Hi folks, Pastor Russ here. Thank you for tuning in to hear this week's message. It is our prayer and our hope that this message will be an encouragement to you. And so we just want to say blessings to you as you listen to this week's message. If you have your Bibles with you, turn to John chapter 4. If you don't have a Bible with you, there should be one near your pew. Feel free to grab that. If you don't own a Bible, take that home with you. And uh, we want to make sure that you're equipped with the Word of God. We start a new series today called Sharing Our Faith. And this first message is entitled, Sharing from Experience. Sharing from Experience. And you'll know when I'm walking through this, this doesn't mean that we share from being with the Lord for 40 years. It means we share from the moments These specific moments where God has transformed or touched our life. We share from the experiences that we've had with God. And I want to start with John chapter 4. We see a connection. We see a moment where Jesus meets a woman at this well, Jacob's well. And it was a Samaritan woman. And Jews and Samaritans didn't exactly get along very well. Let alone in that culture for a man to speak to a woman privately like that. That was also a bit of a taboo in the culture. So Jesus is at this well, this lady comes to draw water, and there's a conversation that begins. And as they're discussing things together, Jesus references to her that there is living water that's available. And she's a bit confused. You know, Jesus says, you don't have to come draw anymore if you have this living water. And she's like, I want some of that because I'm tired of walking to this well to get water all the time. But Jesus was speaking of something deeper than that well. It was something that would be the well of her heart. And recognizing that she needs living water in her life, this discussion takes place. And would you go to verse 16? This is when things really start to get personal for this lady at the well. Jesus tells her, go and get your husband. In verse 17, she says, I don't, I don't have a husband. And then Jesus says, you're right. You don't have a husband, for you have had five husbands. And you aren't even married to the man that you're living with now. You certainly spoke the truth. And just pause right there for a second, but can you imagine for that woman to have that revealed right in front of her? to have her life laid bare like that. There's that experience in life when God's Word reveals to you His intimate knowledge of your life. That's a powerful moment. A powerful moment in the presence of God. And that's one of the first things that we share from is the experience in life where we've experienced God's presence. Maybe you can think of a moment where someone spoke very directly to you. Or maybe there was something you were walking through and God, I need an answer. God, I need help. And boom, the answer comes. You open God's Word or you turn the TV on and maybe you land on someone preaching or someone calls you or texts you or write you a letter, but you recognize God must really care for me because He is interceding now and I'm experiencing His intimate knowledge of my life. This had to have taken the woman back. And at first, it's to the point where she's a little uncomfortable with that. So she starts to try to change the subject. And so look at verse 19. She says, Sir, you must be a prophet. So tell me, why is it that you Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place of worship while we Samaritans claim it is here at Mount Gerizim where our ancestors worshiped. She's trying to change the subject, get the attention off of her sinful life and move it to something that the prophet would probably know. And Jesus takes that question, but then He kind of weaves it back around again to her. He replies, Believe me, dear woman, the time is coming where it will no longer matter whether you worship the Father on this mountain or in Jerusalem. You Samaritans know very little about the one you worship, while we Jews know all about him, for salvation comes through the Jews. He brings it back now to her heart, to her life. But the time is coming, indeed it's here now, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who worship him that way, for God is spirit, so those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. Truth. This woman was not living truth. Jesus brings it back into her life. She says, I know the Messiah is coming, the one who is called Christ. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. She didn't even know who was standing right in front of her. And Jesus told her, I am the Messiah. That had to catch her attention. Just then, his disciples came back, and they were shocked to find him talking to a woman. I mentioned earlier that was a little bit of a cultural thing, but none of them had the nerve to ask, what do you want with her, or why are you talking with her? And the woman left her jar beside the well, and she ran back to the village telling just her mom and dad, telling, what do you have in your Bibles? telling everybody. She had an experience of God's presence and she ran from that well and she had to tell people. She had to say something. She tells people, come and see a man who told me everything that I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? So the people came streaming from the village to see him. I want you to jump to verse 39. I'm going to come back to 31, but go with me to 39. The Bible says, many Samaritans from the village believed in Jesus because the woman had said, he told me everything I ever did. When they came out to see him, they begged him to stay in their village. So he stayed for two days, long enough for many more to hear his message and believe. Just think. That one woman's experience and running back to town to tell everyone, now everyone, is hearing this, but the Bible says they believe because of one woman. And then they said to the woman, now we believe, not just because of what you told us, but because we have heard him ourselves. Now we know that he is indeed the Savior of the world. So you can have that moment in the presence of God, and one of the neatest experiences you can have as a follower of Christ is when you try to convince someone that this experience is worth everything. And one of the neatest moments is when that person that you're trying to talk to tastes what it is that you've tasted. The scriptures say, Taste and see that the Lord is good, God's presence is amazing. God's presence is amazing. Why was there a crowd? i asked ask that question. The crowd showed up because of this woman's experience and her invitation to meet Christ. And I don't think that this became a crowd because people wanted to be entertained. Like a cheap thrill. I think it's because deep down... In the heart of man, people want to be known by God and experience Him in the way they've been created to experience. All of us have that in our life. We've been wired in a way to have fellowship with our Creator, God Almighty. And when they heard about what this woman experienced, there's something deep down in them that, I'm going to go check this out number of years ago, I remember taking the youth ministry down to St. Louis for Dare to Share. One of my favorite things to do on those youth trips is to hang out with the hotel clerk. Yeah. That way, if the kids were acting up, they'd call the front desk, and I'd be right there to take care of it, you know? But it goes more than that. It's just there's times where you're standing there with them, and they're going to ask you questions. So this group, tell me about them. Those conversations start to happen where you can plant seeds. And this individual, we were talking, and he said he was was raised Jehovah's Witness. He was from Puerto Rico. I said, that's interesting. Tell me a little bit more about your faith. And so I began to ask him questions, and he would tell me a number of things about the way he was raised and why uh, he believed or sort of took that position. But you could tell he really didn't take that position as an adult. That was just kind of the way he was raised. And so while I was with them at the desk, I just began to ask questions, and then I began to share of experiences, real experiences that I've had with the Lord, experiencing God's presence. And I'll never forget what he told me that night. He said, you know what? There's something different about you. And you're all like, yep, yep, yep. <laughs> but he said this. He, you know, he goes, when people share with me about their religion, there's always that like pushy component to it and there's the the conversion component to it and he says you're just like laying this out for me the way you experience him and i think when we share from our experiences people relate to that it moves from the pointed finger to kind of this open invitation i'm not talking at you I'm, I'm talking with you. I'm having a conversation and letting you know how I've experienced the reality of God. And people are drawn to that. Ended up getting to send this guy a Bible. I have no idea if he came to know the Lord. He was asked, so how do I, how do, I do this? How do I experience this? And I'm like, you know, I go through the process, surrendering your life to Christ, and then I'm like... You know, would you like to do that? No, no, not really. You know, like he was interested, but it wasn't going to happen there. And I said, well, listen, it doesn't have to happen here. I said, you can go home, and you can do this totally on your own. But that is how you come to know the Lord. And then I'm like, by the way, can I get your address? This complete stranger asking for his address, and he gave it to me, and I sent him a Bible. And I just trust that those seeds that were planted are going to go on good soil. Not every heart's going to respond, though. How many can testify to that? Okay? But it's important for you and I to still plant seeds in people's lives. Let's go back to verse 31. Jesus takes a moment here with the disciples. Verse 31 says, Meanwhile, the disciples were urging Jesus, Rabbi, eat something. But Jesus replied, I have a kind of food you know nothing about. Did someone bring him food while we were gone? The disciples asked each other, like, what is he talking about? Did she have a sandwich? How did he get fed? Jesus explains, my nourishment comes from doing the will of God, who sent me and also from finishing his work. You know the saying, four months between planting and harvesting, but I say, wake up and look around. The fields are already ripe for harvest. The harvesters are paid good wages, and the fruit they harvest is people brought to eternal life. What joy awaits both the planter and the harvester alike. You know the saying, one plants and another one harvests, and it's true. I sent you to harvest where you didn't plant, Others had already done the work. And now you will get to gather the harvest. Jesus gives us a principle in Scripture of what it looks like to plant and water the Word of God in people's lives. Our duty, our job as followers of Christ is to plant that seed day in and day out. And you farmers know if you don't throw seed here, and the next couple of months if you don't put that in the ground you're not going to get a harvest and some some folks have never had the thrill of leading somebody to Christ and a large part of that is because you're just not planting seeds you've got to plant seeds and I might plant seeds in somebody's life, like, Dwayne, I'm just going to use you. I maybe share Christ with you, and maybe you're a friend that doesn't know the Lord, and I share with you, and I share with you, but I might not be the one that leads you to the Lord. But then all of a sudden, Charles comes by, and he connects with you, and you two have some, some sort of conversation, and then it, the light bulb just comes on for you, and Charles gets to lead you to the Lord. We plant seeds and then there's going to be times where the harvest comes. We, at, we implemented this jar back in, in December, right? The, the golf tees represent the seeds that you guys are planting. So this has been going for three months. We've probably got about 25 tees in here, congregation of about 300. We, you know, obviously, any time you plant a seed, I don't expect you to drive to the church, knock on the door, I have a tee, need to throw it in okay but this is to remind us of the importance of planting seeds and then the golf balls the golf balls represent the harvest somebody who came to know the lord because we've been faithfully planting seeds that's our duty as followers of christ is the planting of seeds sharing faith in christ That is a duty, that is a job that all of us carry, the planting and the watering of God's Word. Experience number one, we can share from the experience we've had in God's presence. Turn with me now to Mark chapter 5. I shared with you one experience. We're going to look at a couple more. Mark chapter 5, verses 1 through 20. This is quite the encounter right here. So Jesus and the disciples, they crossed the Sea of Galilee, and it says they arrived at the other side of the lake and in the region of the Gerasenes. When Jesus climbed out of the boat, a man possessed by an evil spirit came out from the tombs to meet him. And this man lived in the burial caves and could no longer be restrained, even with a chain. And whenever he was put into chains and shackles, as he often was, he snapped the chains from his wrists and he smashed the shackles. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Day and night he wandered among the burial caves in the hills, howling and cutting himself with sharp stones. There's a self-harming that is taking place in this man's life. He's out of control. John 10, verse 10, the Bible tells us that the thief, the enemy, comes only, comes only to steal and kill and destroy. He's not showing up to just get to know you a little bit. The objective is to steal from you to kill you and destroy you. Anytime he comes, that's the only reason why he's come. Verse 6, when Jesus was still some distance away, the man saw him, ran to meet him, and bowed low before him. And with a shriek, he screamed, Why are you interfering with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? In the name of God, I beg you, don't torture me. So these evil spirits are already crying out, and it's because Jesus had already said to the spirit, come out of the man, you evil spirit. Then Jesus demanded, what is your name? And he replied, my name is Legion, which means many, because there are many inside of us. A legion of a Roman army would be up to about 6,000 soldiers. And it's possible this man, it wasn't maybe just like five or six many, I mean, later we'll see Jesus cast these demons out into a herd of pigs, and 2,000 pigs run off a cliff. So how many he had, we don't know for sure, but legion would be plenty. And then the evil spirits begged him again and again not to send them to some distant place, and there happened to be a large herd of pigs feeding on the hillside nearby. Send us into those pigs, the spirits begged. Let us enter them. So Jesus gave them permission, and the evil spirits came out of the man and entered the pigs. And the entire herd of about 2,000 pigs plunged down the steep hillside into the lake and drowned in the water. And some farmer goes, what? How about that guy's herd of pigs, right? The herdsmen fled to the nearby town and the surrounding countryside, spreading the news as they ran, and people rushed out to see what had happened. And a crowd soon gathered around Jesus, and they saw the man who had been possessed. If you've got your Bible and you've got a pen, that's a good spot to underline. He had been possessed, but he was no more. He had been possessed by the legion of demons. He was sitting there fully clothed and perfectly sane and they were all afraid. Then those who had seen what had happened told the others about the demon-possessed man and the pigs, and the crowd began pleading with Jesus to go away and leave them alone. They're kind of terrified of this whole thing. And as Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. But Jesus said, no, go home to your family and tell them everything the Lord has done for you and how merciful he has been. So the man started off to visit the ten towns or ten cities. This is known as Decapolis, Deca meaning ten. And he began to proclaim the great things that God had done for him. And everyone was amazed at, at what he told them. In verse 21, the Bible says Jesus got into the boat again and he went back to the other side. Jesus leaves. And this man's mission is to now tell people of this encounter, this experience he's had with God. He experienced God's freedom. He was set free from the plague of demonic activity. He was set free from the power of sin, from the power of demonic oppression. And I just think, can we share from an experience of being set free Can we do that? And you might be sitting here today thinking, you know, Pastor Russ, in today's world, nobody is like that demon possessed man. Demon possessed here in this passage means demonized, which means to gain control or mastery or have power over something or someone. It doesn't necessarily mean that it's owned. Can a Christian be owned by a demon? The answer is no. But can a Christian be under the influence, under the control, under the power of demonic forces? Yes. Believers can walk their spiritual journeys being ridden by demonic activity or under demonic oppression. And before you start to feel that I'm superstitious, okay, and all of you all have demons and you need to, you know, relax for a second... C.S. Lewis warns us about being superstitious, but he also says don't be a skeptic either. Demonic activity is real, and it does happen today. It's not just something that we see in the Scripture, something that used to happen. It is real, and it happens today. And if you and I open a window, open a door of our spiritual life, you're opening yourself up to demonic oppression. I wanna show you a clip here that I uh, came across that I think helps illustrate this further. Would you show that video, please?
1: I'll give you another example. If a man, and let's say the man's a Christian, he's a believer, he's a believer. He, he believes in Jesus, filled with the Holy Spirit. If he drinks a lot of alcoholic, alcoholic beverage, if he drinks a lot of alcohol, or if he takes some medicine, prescribed or illegal drug, something, but he takes some, some, some substance into his body, and he takes a lot of it, let's say. And then he does something. Well, let me, let me ask you this way. Do the drugs or the alcohol, do they own that man? They don't own him. They, he's still owned by God. He's a believer. They don't own him, but are they in him? <laughs> and are they under, is he under the influence of those drugs and alcohol he took? Yeah. And here's what happens many times. He ends up doing something totally out of character that he's very ashamed of later. Is that right? Okay. Um, If a man who's a Christian begins to look at pornography, hear, hear me, you're opening a door to the enemy and he will come in. He's not going to own you, but he will be in. And you will be under his influence, under his power. And this man, who's maybe a very good husband, good father, maybe a a good grandfather, will wind up doing something totally out of character that shocks him and everybody around him and that he's very ashamed of because he was under the influence of a spirit that he opened the door to.
0: If you look at that verse again, John 10, 10, the first part, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. And if we crack that door open and we allow the thief to come in, he's going to do things to destroy your life. That is his mission. Is there any area in your life that you can't seem to find victory in? Or an area that you might feel helpless in. Any sin struggle that you find yourself needing to ask for forgiveness in over and over and over again. You may not ever get to the extreme nature of this man that was demon possessed. But if you allow demonic strongholds to remain in place, you'll find yourself in bondage and isolated like this man. If you look at the next part of Jesus' words in John chapter 10, he says this, But I have come, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Demonic oppression and strongholds isolate followers of Christ. They isolate people, but Jesus wants to set them free. So that you can experience life in the way that it's intended to be experienced. And James gives us great words. James 4 verse 7. Just submit to God. Surrender that to him. Say, Lord, I, I need you to take this. That verse also says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. If there's any of that kind of activity going on in your life, it's time to kick him out of your house. Ask for God's protection. Jesus changed this man's life and he threw the thief out. Clearly, this man started sharing his testimony with people. Clearly, he did, because later on in Mark, we see Jesus return to this region and he's met by a crowd. So if you go two more chapters to Mark 7, this is the third and final experience. Mark 7, verse 31. This section talks about a crowd. Right away in chapter 8, it also speaks about there being a crowd here. Jesus left Tyre and he went up to Sidon before going back to the Sea of Galilee and to the region of the Ten Towns, or Decapolis. A deaf man with a speech impediment was brought to him and the people begged Jesus to lay his hands on the man to heal him. And Jesus Led him away from the crowd so they could be alone. And just a disclaimer I've never prayed for anyone in this way for healing. You'll see why it's just a little bit shocking. He put his fingers in the man's ears. And then, spitting on his own fingers, he touched the man's tongue. And looking up to heaven, he sighed and he said, Ephaphtha, which means be opened. Open. It's like the man that came to the preacher. He said, Preacher, will you please pray for my hearing? And the preacher grabs both ears and he starts praying and praying this big prayer. And he gets done and he says, How's your hearing? He says, I don't know. It's on Tuesday. <laughs> Get it? Never mind. But Jesus prays for this man's hearing. And instantly, the man could hear perfectly. Perfectly. Not like, oh, you know, some of it's coming back. I mean, boom, this is totally healed. And instantly, as he could hear perfectly, his tongue was also freed and he could speak plainly. This man experiences God's healing. And Jesus told the crowd not to tell anyone. It's like, good luck with that, they'll be talking. Because they've experienced God's healing. They watched this. Maybe when he came back, they're like, wow, we weren't there because he kind of took them to the side, but clearly this man's been healed. But the more he told them not to, the more they spread the news. They were completely amazed and said again and again, everything he does is wonderful. You and I, we have the message of good news. Good news. And they say he even makes the deaf to hear and gives speech to those who cannot speak. I want to just tell you something. When God called Moses at the burning bush and Moses goes, I'm not going to lead them. I I can't speak. And God goes, who created your tongue? Maybe you have a fear about sharing about Christ. You don't know what to say. You don't have all the right words. Those kinds of things. Who created your tongue? And just in God's way of healing this man, He gave speech to those who cannot speak. God will give you a voice to share the good news of Christ. He will give you a voice. So with... The understanding of of hearing and speaking. I go back to Jesus' moment with his disciples talking about the seeds, the sowing and the reaping. The response today is, God, open our hearts to receive and open our mouths to speak. That seed that we plant goes into the soil of someone's heart Pray for individuals that you plant seeds into their life. And pray that God would give you the right words. You want words that are better than anything you try to think up or whatever? The seed is God's word. Talk about Jesus. Use scripture and love people. And watch the Holy Spirit do some amazing things. In closing today, it's important to recognize that the work that Jesus did on the cross absolutely disarms the enemy's power. Colossians 2.15, the Bible says, "...having disarmed powers and authorities," that is, demonic forces, "...God made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them on the cross." The enemy has been defeated. Jesus has the last word. Satan knows his fate. He will be cast into the lake of fire where he will spend eternity in the lake of fire. But you want to know something. We know his mission. He only comes to steal and kill and destroy. And since he knows what his fate is, he's doing everything he can to take people out on His way. But know that because of the cross, because of the work of Calvary and the blood of Christ, we can be set free. We can experience God's presence, we can experience God's freedom, and we can experience God's healing. Not only was this man healed physically with his ears and his mouth, but guys, the most important healing that could ever take place in someone's life is the healing that is done in the heart. When people without Christ come before Him and say, I need you to come into my life, then the Bible says He gives you a new heart. Transformation. That comes, it's a miracle that's done through the power of the Holy Spirit. And so I want us to respond with open hearts today just saying Holy Spirit what do you want me to do with today's message and so let's now respond to him in prayer before we sing this song near to the cross Heavenly Father I thank you that you desire to be actively involved in our lives but we have a tendency to maybe push you away We have a tendency to maybe want to do our own thing. We have our own agenda, we have our own desires, but Lord, it still leaves us empty at the end of the day. And so Father, we come to you, we respond to you today asking for your grace. We ask you to transform our lives. We ask for forgiveness of our sin. We ask that you would come in Jesus' name and and cause the enemy to flee, and we want to close these doors of our lives that leave us susceptible to the enemy's work. Help us. Help us to guard the, the home of our heart with the Word of God and with prayer and pursuing you, not just being passive and just once a week we show up to hear something that tickles my ear, but no, this is... I'm taking charge, taking charge, and I want God's direction in my life. Help us to respond in this way. Father, I pray for any heart that's listening today that wants the relationship with Jesus that you've designed them for. And in this moment, if there's someone that wants to respond to that, I just invite you to pray with me in your heart and say Jesus today I surrender recognizing that I'm a sinner and that I need a savior I come to you and I ask for forgiveness of my sin and help me to turn away from sin and to move in this new direction of life with Christ to have life and have it to the full Help me to walk in that way. And by faith today, I receive you as my Lord and my Savior. Jesus, come into my life. And I thank you for this gift, this gift of salvation. And we lift this all to you today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for watching this week's message. It is our heart to follow up with people if they've responded to something that God did in that message. One thing we want to note is if you just gave your life to Christ and you prayed that prayer at the end to receive him into your life, we want to send you this free resource called Now What? And this is a journal that comes with the Bible and it's designed to help you grow and take the next steps in your faith journey. If you're interested in receiving this free resource, we encourage you to simply reach out. And connect with us here at the bottom of the screen. You'll see you can email us or you can send us a text message. Simply text BELIEVE to the number that you see here on the screen. We want to get this into your hands so that you can grow in your faith. And it's our heart here at Faith Community Church to help you grow in your relationship with Christ. Thanks for watching.